Good evening to everybody. Good to be back together this evening, it really is. We're going to continue with our study, our series that I've entitled Look Unto Jesus. And um, again, this series, as along with those that we've been uh, studying over on Sunday evenings for quite some time now, I've intended them to be faith-building studies, to really encourage us as Christians in our individual faith. And uh, we could also say as the Lord's church as a whole. So as I've indicated, and I keep using this particular slide to remind us where we're really focusing and what we're, what we're really looking at in this particular study, we look around us right now and of course, within the last week and a half, we, we see, okay, another war, another major war has broken out. Before that, there was a major war that's been going on for about a year and a half before that. <clears throat> but as I said, there's always conflicts going on all over the world all the time. We just don't hear about much, uh, most of them, at least not very much about most of them. But they're always happening. There are civil conflicts. There are conflicts, you know, civil war kind of things. There's war between nations and so on. But usually we kind of say, oh, well, that doesn't really affect that much our well-being or our security here. And it might be between, you know, more on a localized basis and it's kind of confined to that kind of an area. And so we just don't hear much about those, but they're always going on. But war is only one part of the difficulty, the really, uh, the, 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 the tragedy of, of how the world is moving and how our country is moving right now. We've just got all kinds of evil, we've got all kinds of immorality, we've got all kinds of conflict and outright hatred going on all over the world basically, but we live here and all of that is going on right here in this country. So if there was ever a time when the world needed to look unto Jesus, needed to change their focus, needed to start looking for a different way, a better way, now would be such a time. But again, we can, we can get up and we can say, well, that's what the world needs, that's what our country needs, but it has to begin on an individual basis with each one of us individually. It has to begin, we might say, with one congregation at a time as well. So we need to stop and think about where am I? What are my responsibilities? What can I do to help turn things around? So it has to begin with each person initially looking unto Jesus. Is there somebody out there that I can help turn their thoughts, their focus in their life to their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? As I said, Christianity kind of is like a rising tide, it lifts all boats. Christianity, when it becomes more and more predominant within a particular area, it will raise that culture. It will make it better. But we can't make somebody, we can't pass a law and have a sweeping blanket kind of, of, of instruction that, that is absolutely uh, binding upon everybody living in that area. You've got to become Christians now. That's not, that doesn't work and that's not the way God designed the spread of the gospel. So it has to be, we have to work on one person at a time. And that's gotta be the, the, the work and the focus of not just one or two people, but it's gotta be the work and the focus 
of all Christians. We've got to work on one person at a time. First on me, and then who can I help to turn their life around and look unto Jesus? I've taken the basic statement and principle from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where the Hebrews writer wrote, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, looking back to all of those Old Testament characters of faith that are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews, let us lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're talking about life, our lives here in this world, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and the cro- before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, and so the imagery there is that first Jesus came to bring us the gospel message of forgiveness and salvation, the better life, the more pure life, but he's also waiting at the finish line. Notice again, let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there's the imagery, we're running a race. Jesus brought us the gospel and he's waiting at the finish line to hand us the reward, eternal life with him in heaven, eternal salvation. That's what he's waiting to give us. And, but it, 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 it depends upon us not winning the race by beating out everybody else in the race, but just finishing faithful to him, dedicated, obedient. And so he's waiting there for us. Look unto Jesus. So as you're running the race, you're looking toward the finish line. You're looking toward the ultimate goal. And he's got the finish, he's at the finish line and he's got the reward waiting for us. We need to be living our lives every day looking unto Jesus. That gives us purpose, that gives us hope, that gives us direction. We're considering several reasons why we need to look unto Jesus. We've covered three of them so far in this particular study. We need to look unto Jesus because he is our savior. That would be the first and foremost, I would think, uh, thought that would come to our mind as as far as a reason for looking unto Jesus. He's our Savior. That's what he came for, to save his people from their sins, Matthew chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief, he says. So that would be the first in our mind. It would be forefront. We need to look unto Jesus because he is our savior. We also need to look unto Jesus because he is our Lord. In Acts chapter two and verse 36 on Pentecost, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ, both Lord and Christ. And so we made the point that there are a whole lot of people who recognize and they will confess Jesus as the Lord, but they don't make him the Lord of their life. And so the two have to go together. And then third, we need to look unto Jesus as our ultimate example. And Peter wrote about how in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, that Jesus left us an example to live by. There was no guile in his mouth. He did not commit sin at all. And so he left us the example. So those are the three points that we've covered already. 
three reasons to look unto Jesus. Now let's look at the fourth one this evening. We need to look unto Jesus as our mediator with God. I'm not sure a whole lot of people stop and think about Jesus in those specific terms as being our mediator with God. Now, the idea of a mediator is a go-between, someone who serves as kind of a correspondent between us or a contact between us and somebody else. That's technically what it's talking about, somebody that interacts between two parties. Now, we're talking about us as one party, and we're talking about God as the other party. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, the apostle Paul wrote, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is our mediator with God. In fact, Jesus himself said that he came into this world to be the savior, but also to serve as the way to God. So we can come to God through Jesus and only through Jesus. Now, there are a whole lot of people out there who believe they can go to God through without Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is our mediator. He is our contact, our go-between with our heavenly Father. So Jesus is our mediator with God in that he is the mediator of the new covenant, and that's New Testament Christianity, which God sent him to bring to mankind and is laid out for us in the New Testament scriptures, but also prophesied as coming in the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus brought the fulfillment and is the fulfillment of that new covenant. And so as he is the mediator of the new covenant, New Testament Christianity, he is also our mediator with God. In Hebrews chapter eight and verse six, again, the Hebrews writer wrote, but now he has obtained, speaking of Jesus, he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he also is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. The Old Testament covenant with Moses and Israel, well, that was a good covenant that served a period of time and a particular purpose, but it was never intended by God to be his, his ultimate and final covenant with mankind. It was supposed to kind of pave the way until the, until the Savior would come, until Jesus would come to this earth. And then those living under that old covenant, the Israelite people, were to transition into the new covenant and become followers of Jesus Christ, Christians. They were supposed to become a part of the church that God sent Jesus to establish. We look at chapter 9 and verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. Now, we could think also of the covenant as kind of a, a, a new contract. And I don't want us to think about that in too legalistic a sense as we think of contracts today. But here is God's, here is God's his, his uh, message of understanding and his agreement with mankind. Here's my standards. Here's this new covenant. This is what I'm sending my son to bring to you. 
We call it, again, the gospel or New Testament Christianity. And so for this reason, he that is Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. He died on that cross. When he died on that cross, he brought the Old Testament covenant to an end, basically, and opened the door for the New, the new Testament covenant to begin. He brought that Old Testament period of biblical history to a close, and he then initiated New Testament history. And so we think of history from a spiritual perspective. We think of it as the patriarchal age going all the way back to Adam. And then we think of it as the Mosaic age when God gave Israel the law of Moses or the law through Moses and then that leads up to Christ, and Christ brought the Christian age into being with his death on the cross and his resurrection from that tomb. So for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. Now, God offered forgiveness, in essence, to those living in Old Testament times but only because it was in prospect that he knew he would send Jesus as the Savior into the world to be that ultimate and perfect and one time for all time sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of man's sins. Hebrews 7 and verse 27. Now, did the people under the old law believe that they were forgiven when they went through the processes of, or, of offering animal sacrifices and going through the atonement uh, by the high priest and so on? Yes, they did. And that was to be their understanding. But it was really, it was really, and, and Paul brings this out in Romans chapter 3, the last few verses, it was kind of a passing over that God was doing, pointing toward knowing that he would ultimately send Christ into the world to be that perfect sacrifice. And so we don't have to offer animal sacrifices on an ongoing basis. We don't have to have a sacrifice of atonement every year as the Israelites did. Jesus has already been that sacrifice. And it was the perfect sacrifice, one time for all time. So for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And again, God's plan was, his vision was for the Israelite people having been conditioned by him through the Old Testament scriptures, the Old Testament covenant, that old law of Moses, to transition into Christianity when he sent the Savior into the world. Many of them did, but unfortunately, the vast, vast majority did not. They rejected the Savior, but that's on them, not on God. And that did not change God's plan going into motion. So we look at New Testament Christianity today as being the fulfillment of that old covenant plan that God laid out for the Israelites through Moses. Jesus came to be the ultimate fulfillment of that, of that covenant. And we live under the new covenant today. Now, Jesus gave his physical life to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. And we need to be thankful for that always. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant 
and to the bloods of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, the mediator of the new covenant. So we see him identified as mediator over and over and over again. Basic to Jesus being our mediator with God is the reality that he gave his life on the cross to pay the price for our sins so we can be forgiven by God. So serving as the Savior, dying on that cross, being buried in that tomb, but being resurrected from that grave and then ascending back to heaven. He is there before the Father serving as our mediator. Now think about that. In the different ways he has done that. He is the mediator of the new covenant. He brought the new covenant. He brought New Testament Christianity. He came to establish the church and he did that on Pentecost. He came to to be that mediator of the transition and the establishment of New Testament Christianity. When we look at Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can look at verse after verse after verse of scripture that basically repeats that and emphasizes it to us. Chapter 9, verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation, for salvation. And thereby, because he came as our Savior, because he came as the mediator of the new covenant, because he came and being that mediator established New Testament Christianity, established the church upon this earth, because of that, we have redemption through Christ, redemption through him. And our redemption is only through Christ. I'm not sure we think very often about what the term redemption or to redeem means. It's to buy back. Now, how would Jesus come as savior and buy back us? What's the understanding there? Until Jesus came, all were lost in sin, basically. Only because Jesus was coming did God pass over or forgive the sins of the Israelites in Old Testament times. And he sent Jesus as the Savior for us in this time, New Testament Christianity, but we've got to come to him. Our God sent him to pay the price through his life on the cross to buy us back from the guilt and condemnation of our sin. We can't do that ourselves. Only Christ could do that. When we look at Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 23, Paul wrote, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation or the cover or the substitute for us by his blood, dying on that cross in our place. We couldn't die for our own sins. Now, a person can die because of their sins, but we can't die for our own sins to pay the price. Only Christ could do that. Through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins passed over the sins that were previously committed, passed over those sins 
of those people living in Old Testament times, giving them the understanding of, of forgiveness, but really passing over them because he was looking forward to the time when he would send his son as the Savior to pay the full price for our sins through his death on the cross. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Where do we find sanctification? What does that mean? Basically, when you see the word sanctified or sanctification in the, in the New Testament scriptures, it's a synonym for salvation. But it has a technical meaning. It means to be set apart. To set apart from, from, from what or whom? To be set apart from the world and the sinful practices and lifestyles of the world. To be set apart, to be set apart unto holiness that can only come through Jesus Christ. So we're sanctified only through Christ. Hebrews 10 and verse 10, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Thinking of Jesus, understanding Jesus to be our mediator with God is extremely and very deeply filled with profound meaning. I'm afraid a lot of times people, they just kind of gloss over the surface and they don't realize the depths of what God has done for us in sending Jesus as our Savior and sending him specifically to die on that cross in our place, in our place. We're sanctified through the blood of Christ. He is our mediator. We can only be sanctified through Jesus. We can only come to God through Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant that God sent him to bring to us, the New Testament Christianity. Salvation is only in Christ. Salvation only in Christ, in no other. As Peter wrote, or as Peter spoke in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, speaking of Jesus, he said, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only in Christ do we find forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Salvation only in him. 1 John 4 and verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Salvation is only in or through Christ. In all of these specific ways, we're seeing that Jesus is our mediator with God, our mediator. And as a result, we are children of God and heirs through Christ, but only through Christ. Now again, we get that understanding. He is our go-between. He is our contact between us and God the Father. In all of these different ways, he serves as our mediator. When we look at, at uh, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7, the apostle Paul wrote along this line, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ and only through Christ. What an incredible text of scripture that is. We could spend a whole lot of time just, just analyzing and, and, and appreciating that 
more immediate context of Scripture if we had time. But that's not what we're really focused on. But we did want to pull that out, that we become an heir of God through Christ. In all these ways, we're seeing it's only through Christ, only through Christ, because he's our mediator. We can pray to God. How do we pray to God? We're blessed to be able to talk to our Heavenly Father anytime with all of our needs, all of our thoughts, including our praise and glorification of God through prayer. Now think about that. The creator of the universe, God Almighty, and he's made the way for us to talk to him on an ongoing basis. And we call that prayer. So we're blessed to be able to pray to God, but how? Through whom? Through our mediator, Jesus Christ. In the name of or through Christ. And that's why we mention in our prayers, and usually we'll say it right at the end, in the name of Jesus we pray. But somewhere in that prayer we mention, we come to you in the name of Christ because we're coming to him in prayer through our mediator. John 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus told the apostles, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do because he's our mediator with God. We come to God through him. Even in prayer, we come to God through him. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is also our advocate with the Father. The the closest term we would think of is, because we don't use the word advocate that much, but again, our advocate is kind of somebody who's pleading our case. And so we would probably think of Jesus as being maybe closest to what we might consider a, an attorney or, or maybe somebody who's speaking for us. Again, that mediator with another party. And so Jesus is our advocate with the Father. And what a great text of scripture. First John chapter two and verse, verse one is along this line. John writes, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, but If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is there pleading our case for us as we come to the Father for forgiveness in prayer after we become Christian. So even after we become Christians, we still stub our toes, don't we, from time to time. We still commit sins. And God has made the way for us to come to him and ask forgiveness through prayer, for, for, again, for forgiveness, for strength, for redirection. But again, in the name of Christ, in the name of Christ. So Jesus is there in heaven pleading our case for us as our advocate. How blessed we truly are. How blessed we truly are to have such a mediator with God as we have in Christ Jesus. Jesus would love to have you come to God through him right now, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus as God's son and your Lord and savior and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. If you need the prayers of the church, Jesus would love to serve as your mediator with God, your advocate, to plead your case before, the God, for God's, before God's throne in the throne room in heaven. 
as you seek, his, seek God's forgiveness in the name of Christ, your mediator. We'd love to pray with you and for you. All you have to do is step forward and let us know or talk with us privately. And if you're ready to be baptized into Christ, please just step forward and tell us. Jesus wants to have been absolutely effective in shedding his blood for you, that through him, you can be redeemed. You can be bought back. You can be forgiven. You can be saved. You can have eternal life because he'll be there as the mediator between you and God. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?